0: back to another episode of the Be A Better Ally podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she and her. On this episode, we get to catch up with former guest Jennifer Stevens from AISB, and we are also going to get to hear directly from two students, Ingrid and Gray, who are going to be talking to us a little bit about the significance and the need for student-directed training and PL for their staff so thank you so much to all three of them for finding the time i know this time of year in particular it's never easy to find anything to do anything extra but the story and example that they set here in this episode is so powerful and i just have so much gratitude to the three of them for sitting down and finding the time to share this powerful example with schools and educators like you enjoy
1: hi i'm jennifer stevens my pronouns are she her and I am the journalism teacher at AISB and the leader of our pride group in the high school.
2: Hello, my name is Ingrid. I am a grade 12 student at AISB and I use she, her pronouns. I've been a part of pride since it started
3: uh, when I was in the ninth grade. Hi, I'm Gray. I'm an eighth grade student. I use he, they pronouns. Um, I'm openly trans and I am part of ACCEPTED, which is our middle school pride group.
1: A couple years ago, we had our first Safe Zone training, uh, led by two former teachers and a counselor. It was really successful, and we felt like the faculty learned a lot from it. Uh, So it was time to do it again, and I just thought it would be a lot more powerful if it came from the students. So I asked Ingrid, who is a fabulous public speaker, and as she said, has been with me since the beginning of our Pride creation, which is about three years ago. And then I had worked with Gray a few years ago as well, when we did CESA Wide Pride, when he was a sixth grader and was just so impressed by his confidence and advocacy. Uh, So that's why I asked them and luckily they accepted. What did you both think about it?
2: Personally, I was incredibly excited when Ms. Stevens came to me with this opportunity. Oftentimes, the student-led initiatives that I was a part of were mainly directed towards other students. And while that still was very meaningful and had a big impact, I always felt like there was this sort of divide between uh, my experiences as a student and the things I wish that my teachers knew and then the rest of the faculty. So uh, knowing that I had this opportunity where I could uh, expand upon my experiences and share what I uh, thought to be appropriate uh, ways of interacting with students was really, really exciting.
3: Yeah, um, I was also really excited to uh, get an email from Ms. Stevens asking me to do this. I think it was a really great opportunity. Um, I usually have a lot to say on this topic and uh, I love uh, educating people who are willing to listen um and it was really nice to be able to tell teachers what uh students uh want them to hear i think some of
2: the main questions had to do with policy although we did our best of discussing what regulations are currently in place in our child protection policy or bullying policy for example Uh, these directions were kind of vague because the policy themselves didn't give specific directives of how to uh, react in certain situations so coming out of this training although we did give them a base of information that they could use it's difficult to know exactly where to consult or what resources to consult in order to know what the school uh, expects them to do as educators and as people in that position. And adding on to that, I think there's also a bit of confusion about what the future of this policy will look like in the future. Um, Although there were promises for this to be expanded upon in, in the following years using teacher and student input, there still isn't a lot of concrete information about what that will look like and what kind of support teachers will receive from the part of the administration
1: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I want to add just an explanation that at the end of the training, uh, Ingrid and Gray had asked the faculty to make suggestions about what should be included in the policy. And that uh, provoked quite a lively conversation. (laughs) And I think that was probably the most um, feedback that y'all got at the end, right? People were asking you both about policy creation and what what you would like
2: to be able to protect yourselves? Uh, To add something, uh, although I think we did a really great job of representing student experiences, a question that teachers might be leaving with would be how to introduce LGBTQ topics in their own curriculums and lessons moving forward. We did mention that this was an important part of uh, creating an inclusive and a safe environment, and we also presented some survey results uh, from Students in the secondary school that stated that they rarely uh, receive this kind of education in their classes or in the advisory program. So we we hope that they take these questions and reflect on them in order to I- include these types of uh, lessons or information in their in their future planning.
0: I really appreciate. Um, You know, the the notion of if we're talking about child safeguarding and protection, that we are bringing in their actual voices. So I'm curious to hear from you directly, you know, what are the advantages of making sure that it's a conversation and it's not necessarily a monologue? Um, You know, what are some of the benefits of having students uh, be leading this conversation? Uh, I'm such an
1: advocate for student voice, obviously as a journalism teacher, <laughs> I believe that we should be able to listen to students when possible. Um, and in this this case, I thought, why not ask two students who are part of the LGBTQ community to deliver this information because they are gonna be the experts in what they need from teachers and be able to explain specific examples of bullying and harassment that they themselves have experienced at the school so that we can better support them. They were also able to answer questions that I feel like a lot of teachers have had for a long time and can't get the same answers on Google. So I was so happy to to get some students involved. Um, Because also, it's more fun to listen to students than other teachers. We listen to each other all the time. (laughs)
3: Um, yeah, I think a really good uh, part of this was that teachers got to hear from students, even if it was indirectly, like, um, we talked to our respective pride groups, and we got their input on what on what they wanted uh, teachers to see and hear and what they thought was important for them to understand. And I think having this like student to student connection really allowed them to share and um, contribute because it seemed less daunting or scary.
2: I completely agree with what both Gray and Miss Stevens said, and I think there's often a pretty big gap between gaining a conceptual understanding of what an inclusive and accepting community looks like that you may get from other teacher-led trainings and uh, connecting that to how you actually need to act on a day-to-day basis or how you can respond to to actual situations in which an LGBTQ plus student comes up to you. So I think the fact that they were able to hear very concrete examples, including some from our own lives, um, made it a little easier for them to not feel as intimidated or fearful of doing or saying the wrong thing when they are presented to that uh, with that situation.
0: Now, I know there's going to be a lot of uh, educators who are listening, school leaders who are listening. And they're sold on the idea of, yes, let's make sure that student voice is leading, is integrated into this conversation. What pieces of advice might you have for schools who want to follow the example that you've provided here?
2: I think a really important piece of advice would be to keep it as local and specific to your school as possible. Although it's wonderful to get a base of information like terminology or vocabulary that you can pass on to your teachers so that you can have uh, more comprehensive conversations about these issues, looking at what's going on around you is going to make the presentation that much more personal and that much more effective in helping teachers deal with uh, situations that they actually will encounter in their day-to-day lives. So uh, some really great ways of doing this is talking to people within your school, sending out a school-wide survey just to uh, get a better understanding of what it's like to be an LGBTQ student in this environment and how certain things are perceived.
3: Yeah, so sort of bouncing off what Ingrid said, uh, we talked to... um, uh, the our LGBTQ plus students, and we came up with a few scenarios that uh, te- they either have encountered or that they think teachers could encounter. And we let teachers discuss this per- uh, in their groups. We had them split up in groups. And when we got their feedback, we mentioned how it would make us and uh, other students most likely feel, which uh, is I think is really powerful because it tells it shows teachers that how they handle things uh, really have has an impact on the students. Yeah,
1: I would agree. I thought that was the most powerful part of of your presentation when y'all both shared very personal experiences, um, particularly you know when you. When you actually said the slurs that you've heard in the hallways, I think a lot of people don't don't know that Um, or, you know, Gray, how how you came out as trans to your teachers and how you, you know, how you asked them to call you your preferred pronouns. I just I think it's so amazing for them to hear those kinds of things, because a lot of them haven't, especially if maybe students don't see them as a safe space. They probably haven't ever heard this before, so I thought that that was really, really powerful. And, you know, like you both said, um, I think Ingrid, especially when you were talking about the local context, I think Ingrid uh, had a whole slide, maybe two slides, dedicated to LGBTQ plus rights and culture within Romania. And uh, do you want to elaborate on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think especially because we are an international school, it's easy to view ourselves as being part of a bubble where the promotion of diversity and equal rights is sort of understood and agreed upon by everyone. However, that's not really the case. Uh, Every student that comes into that bubble is coming from somewhere. So it's especially important to look at the context of where we live, how uh, the attitudes, preconceptions and stereotypes that students grew up along uh, alongside is going to influence how they behave in our community and what are the best ways of countering that and providing them with the education and resources to uh, get a clearer picture of uh, how things actually stand and to become kinder members of our community.
1: Awesome. I'd also love for you both to elaborate a little bit on certain scenarios that you included that you feel like other schools should include?
3: Um, Yeah, so uh, one of the scenarios that I really liked uh, was how to react when a, if or when a student comes out to you, Um, because many teachers, I feel, wouldn't uh, consider that a part of Um, something that would happen in their teaching career, but when you build a trusting relationship with students, I guess you could say like that, um, they might come to you with things you wouldn't expect and knowing that that is a possibility and that there are ways to respond to it uh, positively, uh, I feel like really Uh, helps the teachers. I completely agree. Um, I think
2: another scenario that was really important was one where we discussed how to react to an instance of harassment. I think this is something a lot of students will come up with, but what I thought was particularly effective about our approach is that we define harassment and aggression not just as something very physical or saying a slur, because that's usually not 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 how it's going to manifest itself on a regular basis Mm. instead we gave very concrete examples of the types of jokes uh teachers might hear or the types of comments that might be made during an advisory session or during class when lgbtq topics are discussed not only did we give those examples but we explained how they contribute to creating an unsafe and hostile community for queer students so really trying to expand the definition of harassment and show how even these smaller instances that may seem insignificant at first still have a very large impact on students lives is very important And also, I think it might be a little easier for teachers to know how to react when they see a student uh, hitting another student because there are policies in place for that and uh, it's a little less... uh, Gray.
3: Mm. <laughs> Sorry, <it's> a, <laughs> I no gonna, <laughs> exactly. I
2: was going to say it's more black and white. <laughs> um, but with these smaller instances, is when they might freeze and not know what to do, what to do, and instead take the the path of not doing anything out of fear of doing too much. But giving them some concrete solutions of how to react, how to talk to the perpetrators, is going to make it easier for them to create a safe space.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Really, a good point. I also am curious if y'all have any advice uh, for students who would want to do this at their schools. So anything in our trainings or presentation creation, you know, we spent a lot of time together doing that. Um, what, what advice would you give to some students who want to put themselves out there and do this presentation?
3: Um, I would say to, uh, really be on top of who does what and of your time management, uh, Person, uh, not personally, we had to uh, uh, reschedule once because it took us a lot longer than what we would, uh, what we first expected. So it's really important to understand that this will take you time. And um, about the who does what part, it's just nice to know that other people are doing it with you and that you don't have mm-hmm. the whole weight of the project on you. And relying on those people is really nice and encouraging
2: adding on to that I think finding a mentor and one of your teachers is also quite important miss Stevens was incredible and such a big help during this entire project both in terms of uh, emotional support and giving us the confidence and encouragement we needed to continue on with this project but she also gave us very practical tips from her experiences in attending these teacher trainings of what are effective ways to communicate or uh, good ways to structure a presentation both visually and, and in terms of uh, the sections we included so having that outside perspective not only puts less pressure on you as a student who maybe have not been put in that situation before um, but, but it also you know gives you an ally it gives you someone on your side
0: Thank you. <laughs> Excellent pieces of advice here. And of course, um, it really sounds like this is the start of a conversation and not the end of it. So uh, what's next for your group?
1: Personally, and I know that Gray and Ingrid both received very similar feedback after the presentation, but I've received so many emails from staff members who attended the training and said that, that was honestly the best PD I've ever been to. Uh, and I agree. So I would like to see. Almost all of our uh, after-school presentations run by students, especially when it's really important subject matters like like this or things that students are experiencing when they're the experts and the teachers aren't aren't the experts. So these two students are in the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, gray is trans. They have the answers <laughs> um, that a lot of a lot of the teachers wouldn't. So it would be more text um you know textbook approach or something that's a bit dry and like both of both of these amazing students said you know they gave personal experiences and their opinions so i think anything that is really personal in nature like that should come from the students do either of you can you either of you think of any specific topic matter that you feel like you would want other students to present
2: what I was first thinking of uh, is just more about student support. And I thought of mental health, especially mm. because in recent months, at least in my grade, we've had a, a signs of suicide program. And then we've also discussed this, this issue numerous times over the time I've spent in high school in our advisory program. And what I think would be very helpful uh, in that regard would be that students could give a more accurate picture of the sort of struggles that they're facing as part of this community Mm-hmm. and just as we did in this presentation could communicate what would help them most and how they would react to sort of the prescribed uh, approaches that teachers are given. I think just like Miss Stevens said, this really humanizes a topic that can get kind of bland when you're only given some general information that seems like it comes from uh, a textbook or a program, then it's a little harder to make that connection and to Fully engage yourself and think of the ways you can uh, employ it in your own teaching career. But realizing that it does happen to the students that you interact with um, can make it can can make them a lot more effective.
1: I think that's a great idea about mental health. Really good idea, because I was just thinking about when we did the signs of suicide presentation, and it was it was good. Um, But I felt like a lot of the students kind of tuned out when there were the scenario videos, because it was, you know, kind of like from the 80s. Uh, But then when I had individual conversations with the students or when I actually told them, you know, I know this may seem a little silly, but I wish that I had had these presentations because I lost my best friend to suicide when I was not much older than you. And then the room went silent and people took it seriously and wanted to ask me questions because I had been through that. So I think there's something Something to be said about sharing these personal stories and narratives, and it coming from people who have been there. Um, so I love that idea about mental health. Gray, do you have any other ideas?
3: Um, not that I can think of off the top, of off the top of my head, <laughs> um, yeah, I really agree with what both uh, Miss Stevens and Ingrid said.
1: Ingrid, any other topics that you think should be student led?
3: Um,
2: This is where I'm struggling a little bit with uh, my opinion on this, because on one hand, I do think that uh, placing too much responsibility on students when it comes to certain subjects uh, should be something that we should try to avoid. Uh, For example, when it comes to breaking down policies Mm. or giving specific suggestions for them, I think it might be a bit much to expect all of this to be student-led rather than also backed up by uh, the administration and the rest of the faculty. Um, But I would say, just like Ms. Steven mentioned, almost any topic that is broached and that will later find its way down to students uh, would really benefit from having some student input on it. Uh, Something that I have a personal experience with uh, is sexual assault and the reporting procedures at the school. Uh, Again, you can sort of see why this is a sensitive topic. I think it would be Uh, a lot to ask of students to share their experiences on this or uh, speak freely about it. However, having some sort of student voice or input on uh, the best ways to Uh, discuss this topic and to make the resources we have available more accessible to them uh, would be really helpful. So really trying to find a a middle ground uh, or a compromise in which we're still protecting our students' well-being and not asking too much of them uh, and, you know, taking the responsibility off of the decision makers at the school, but still listening to them.
1: Mm. And that's a really, really great point. I think some people think, you know, it's I've been at a lot of schools that say, "Oh, well, we need these policies. Let's have the kids who need them create them. But, as you said, you know that can that can really be a burden. Um, so sometimes it's up to the the teachers or people who are in who are in power to, you know do the work for you, maybe present it to you and say, Hey, you know this is the policy that we created. Um, what do you think about it? or would you have any edits or anything that we should suggest? So do you think that it would make sense to maybe just incorporate student voice a lot more in these types of presentations if if it's not
2: feasible for you to actually lead them? Absolutely. Um, I think instead of coming to us and... Uh you know, asking us to start something from scratch, uh, or going to the other extreme, extreme, sorry, (laughs) and uh, presenting us with a finished product and telling us this is the way things are, Uh, familiarize yourself with it, but there's nothing else we can do to change it for now. Rather, you know, meeting in the middle and asking us for suggestions, what do we think, and uh, whether we would like to see anything added or removed from it would be really wonderful.
0: Thank you, Gray, Ingrid, and Jennifer, for sharing that remarkable example of of meeting in the middle, something schools might want to aim to do a little bit more of in 2022. Thanks for listening.